I think the last time I was in church, I was in year seven. I think I was like did you going do to a was choir it a school or something. Trip? I was singing in a church. Oh. oh. Right. I used See, to go to church and mosque when I was a kid. Why? My grandparents and consequently my parents Muslim mm. before my parents converted to Christianity. Oh. So we would go to mosque on Friday and then we'll go to church on Sunday. Wow. And they were like, they were into still all, embracing both. Yeah, all that. good. It oh. was like, we'd all go as a family to both. Wow. Uh, we'd all celebrate Christmas, Ramadan together. Oh. This sounds like the that best sounds setup. interesting. Yeah. It was It's great. like three Christmases. Wow. <laughs> How was that? Oh my God. It was great because we kind of got into the spirituality of it but we weren't kind of required to fast. So oh. if you wanted to fast, you could fast. If not, then you didn't have to. Um, my grandmother always did, and she used to try and teach us Arabic, and it mm. was such a shame that mm. we were like, nah, we're already learning French mm. and Latin at school. <laughs> I don't need another language. And now I regret it because I think Arabic's a beautiful mm. language, mm. and I wish I could have just stuck with it. Mm. Mm. I saw this thing on Twitter where like, there's this, like I won't say company, but like there's this startup kind of charity that are teaching young people their language. Like, well, it was mainly like Yoruba, but they were teaching like young people their languages. Mm. And it was recorded by the BBC. And some of the parents were like bringing their little children, and they were like, oh, I don't know if you've seen. I it retweeted well. that. I oh, saw okay. that on yeah. the BBC are we as well. Oh yeah, yeah. We're definitely recording. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really interesting to be honest because I think the only place I know that well I know that's like they teach Yoruba is Soas that's because mm. I've seen it on like the mm. like yeah. the curriculum I thing. was looking up classes actually because yeah. I studied it for a little bit and I really want to get Yoruba. back into it yeah yeah in Soas or no no I studied it when I, my year abroad and yeah, I know yeah. what you're oh, gonna yeah, say yeah, yeah, yeah. okay Okay, but she talks about her year abroad. Elijah, listen, you're a new person here. This is a perfect transition because that's where I studied Yoruba. Okay. And I was very surprised that in okay. the middle of America, in this right. like basically du- cornfield place, they had a Yoruba. Where? Indiana. What? Yeah, mm-hmm. they had like a whole Yoruba department. And I was like, oh, oh cool. A whole department? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They had like a world, uh, in the languages department, they had like Asian languages, African languages, and then Yoruba was one of the languages. Not to like dive more into this, but why do you think they decided to actually have like a, like what sparked them I having like a Yoruba? the students who come in. So they have a lot of like PhD like, oh, and okay. master students. And then I think if there's enough interest express, then they will start up the course oh. because my teacher was a PhD student. Mm. yeah and it was actually really helpful like i could come to him and like practice because i joined the class in the second semester so i'd missed like the 101 mm. so i jumped into 102 and everybody was like talking saying like um I'm not, I'm not gonna start my own <laughs> because then I, I get shy oh, please i get shy please. <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> hello hello hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you've been listening uh, this far in, I'm sure you know what you're listening to now. Um, <laughs> hi, Cancer babes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm for I'm it. I'm not for yeah. it. <laughs> we'll, we'll go back it. to the drugs. This, is, this can- is like our song. Okay, well, you never we'll, Can we introduce song. the guest <laughs> first? No, we're not doing the song. Canter, canter, canter. I should just turn off the mic. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm really right. You're still going on. Okay. We're not in Canterbury anymore. But All you're right, still, well, you're, you're still canter babes. You're still canter babes. Stop <laughs> fueling this. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Blessing. I don't know if you recognize my voice, but uh, I'm back. 
I'm here. <laughs> back again. I'm back again. <laughs> You've really been talking for like a year and a half. I'm sure Can, they recognize your voice. Do you want to introduce yourself? Okay, please, sorry, sorry. Hi, my name is Omalade. Do I have to say like a fun fact about ourselves still? Yeah, what have we been doing for the okay. past year and a bit? You know, change. Okay. Uh, Love Island is really just taking over my life now, and Yuande is moving mad. No, yeah. she's not. Okay. Well, um, catch up. Behind because not exactly. Just when you catch up, no, she's not. Okay. Hi, my name is Nisha, and um, so something very interesting happened to me in the drive with my brother yesterday, because uh, my mom was talking about wanting to have a milkshake, so I was trying to put the milkshake song on, and uh, so I kept being like, "Hey Google, play milkshake by play milkshake by Kellis," and I was like, and they just wouldn't recognize. Google turned on when you said, "Hey Google, no, she's she's trying to play milkshake." Sorry, go on. No, so. I was just like, hey, Google, play Milkshake by Kellis. Play Milkshake by... Ke-. And they just was they Google wasn't giving me anything. And I was like, play Milkshake. It's like, playing Milkshake by Kellis. And I was like, have I been saying this wrong the whole time? Yes. <laughs> am, I, am I really that Asian? Where like, you know where your parents teach you particular words and you've just learned to pronounce it in the wrong yeah. way for all those years? And I was like, wow, I really did that to myself. Hashtag Debra slash Debra. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I do like the pronunciation, Deborah, though. Deborah. Yeah. I like it, too. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just, I was just taking it in. <laughs> okay. Hi, guys. This is Dami. Hi. I've recently... Hey. Okay. Hi. We're not at therapy. Let's not. <laughs> Hi, Dami. I want to try some. <laughs> No, I have recently changed my Instagram name. So I've been saying I'm Dams the writer, but actually now I'm plant-based Dams. But so, you're not plant-based yeah. anymore. Be quiet. <laughs> Be quiet. I asked you that. You're like, I no, I'm just vegan. <laughs> Listen, basically I'm a vegan and I've decided to stick with it. And it's been like an interesting six months, but this is where we are now. So everyone mm-hmm. else is just get on boards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we are here in the studio today. Which studio um, are We are in our set studio. It's a little bit different. If you haven't uh, been listening to us, you probably are used to our CSR uh, mm. sound. Mm-hmm. Don't know if this is going to sound crisp. I'm hoping this sounds crisp. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it. this is a, a, <laughs> a Canterbury satellite episode. I don't know what we're going to call this. Yeah. We're still in a process, you know, Canterbury. transitional. <laughs> I said Canterbury. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and for the past year and a bit, this has been a show where we've talked about our life experiences as BAME students in the quaint little town of Canterbury. Um, for those of you who aren't aware of what the acronym stands for, it stands for Black, Asian, and Minority Ethnic. And this has always been a show where we uh, sh- share our experiences as BME people and also the experiences of others. And we're open to people who want to come in and listen about th- and learn about those experiences also. Um, but today, we ain't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. No, we're still doing that. But we're not doing that as Canterbame. So obviously, you know, we've all graduated. We've all taken a step away from Canterbame. To breathe, even though Omalade still yeah, is there. Still there. I'm there again <laughs> uh, next year. So this is the start of a not something a little bit new, and we're gonna see where it takes us. Um, but you know, we've enjoyed our time at CSR and our time on SoundCloud, and now we are graduating from CSR. Oh, so we're back in London nice. today, and we've got something Ooh. a little bit special, something mm. a little bit, mm. a little bit special is happening. Yeah, um, to today we're gonna them. have an, a chat, one of our usual chats about love, mm. life, mm. sex, mm. race, mm. all the good mm. stuff, and you know, <laughs> you know, and you know, maybe a new book that you've heard out and about in the town mm-hmm. that might be on your radar <laughs> might be on something your you know yeah, maybe you've maybe <laughs> seen these 
like these black hands proudly <laughs> the letter A doing this I don't know if you've seen it around um, the clapback your mm. guide to calling out racist stereotypes um, a book that is now going to be like my reference for every argument yes. about race uh-huh. yes. I have yeah. my, honestly yes, yes. yes. so um, it's written by this amazing uh, wonderful person don't know mm. if you've heard about him Elijah Lau <laughs> and uh, consequently he's in the studio with us today <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> no we don't play that <laughs> um so elijah thank you for joining us today thank you for having me it's such a pleasure to be here with you all um i don't know if you've had our episodes before if you've listened to ain't at all but uh, Nisha usually has a question that she asks our special guests about this time. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that's in your book as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So where'd you come from, Elijah? <laughs> where'd you really come Originally. from? <laughs> <laughs> you tell me what you think is the answer. Um, well, because I'm with such amazing BAME ladies, I'm oh. going to go OG. I'm going to go original. Oh. So, of course, Nigerian. Hey. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, Yoruba tribe. Yeah, um, my parents are from Ogun State. My dad is like a place or a tribe, Ijebu, and my mom is Abekuta, which is a very fascinating place because it was literally founded under a rock, like this giant mountain. And in Yoruba, Abekuta means like under a rock. Um, so. Nigerian by way of British was born in London, lived in Streatham, now live in Croydon. Mm. Yeah. So that's a quick fire family history for you. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you for coming in today though. No problem. That's so interesting. Like the I, I'm I'm always so fascinated when people know exactly where in Nigeria their parents mm. and the tribe in the States because I, I just say I'm Yoruba. <laughs> and I know my mom's from Lagos. <laughs> and that's about it. Sorry, yeah. Dad. Like I know where I was born in Lagos. Like I was born in a place called Ikorodu. I know Ikorodu. Yeah. I, I lived in Nigeria for a few yeah. years. So yeah. um yeah I know mm. Ikorodu. Mm. Really nice that's place. where I was born. Yeah. I was gonna ask you a question. Of course. Um, in your book, mm-hmm. I don't know how far we can jump in, but like in in the book, you talked about how like your parents are from like two different places, and yeah. like for them to have fallen in love was like a oh, completely yeah. crazy thing. Yeah. How did your parents meet? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's actually quite a weird one. So my dad was in Scotland. My dad went to University of Edinburgh. My mm-hmm. mom went to university here in London, um, and he was in London for a day, and it happened to be my mom's birthday. No. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, well, hmm. <laughs> 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 well, he he kind of shied her up, and my mom was having none of it, <laughs> like none of it at all. Um, and then he was just very persistent, and my mom was like, oh, "Fair enough, let's yeah. see." <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm shading my parents, <laughs> but um, hopefully he persisted in a gentlemanly way mm-hmm. um, because consent is key. True, is sexy, true. yes. Um, because this is kind of like DATs we're talking about. So mm. uh, hopefully he persisted in a lovely way. But mm. I like to think so because obviously mm. my mom, very strong, very independent, amazing woman, would have not had the time for him mm. if he hadn't. Yeah. And um, yeah, consequently, here I am and my younger sister as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A cute story. Yeah. How much yeah. younger is your sister? Two years and two months exactly. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know that. 
I, I calculate to the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although she's more mature than me. Everyone thinks she's older. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, she's more mature than I am. <laughs> okay, it's the same story with my little brother. Yeah. Oh, the one with the mortgage. Yeah. The one with the oh, mortgage. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so you know about Nisha's yeah. brother. Oh, she mentioned it today. Yeah. She, she has them. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. just pretending He's a big boy. Yeah. 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 And he's wow. getting his own place now. Excellent. So. Matching, matching. He's got to leave yeah. the nest sometime, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And his own little, like, bachelor pad. Wow. <laughs> it's going to be cute. We went to go view it on on Saturday and the one thing that I was very concerned about was like you know the fact that it was in a flat and I was mm. and I straight up said to the um the guy that the agent and I was like is there any particular cladding on this building oh yeah that is uh flammable, flammable. Mm. and he was very gentle about the subject he was like no there's not anything as far as I'm aware of and yeah. I was like good because I yeah. don't want anything around my brother that could mm. potentially cause sure. anything like that. You mm. know the fire that happened in Barking? People were sort of like yeah. related. Yeah. yeah, people yeah. were sort of yeah. saying that it was the the outer area that sort of let the fire like spread yes, as far. it was. Yeah. yeah. Also, the residents had said to the people Yeah, there was, was like an article that was written. Yeah, there was an article that was written. Yeah, there was an article that was actually written a year ago that was talking about how residents had already complained about the, like the, mm. the flat. And it's funny because it's literally like a five minute walk from my house in Barking. Yeah. 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 You live yeah. in Thames View? Yeah, I live in Thames View. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I used to Yeah, live. I live in yeah. Thames View. You guys so are just baiting at your location. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what I mean, mean, Thames View is pretty big. It's okay. Yeah. 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 I live in one of the new houses. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> new houses, so you want to. Yeah, when I move, when I move like they started building everything yeah. up. It looks pretty nice down there now. I mean, they're building like um, a motorway as well to kind of get to the. The yeah. 813 or the N25. Oh, okay. 813, probably, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're nice. building like a motorway. They're also going to build like um, like a new school for Riverside. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty turned into like a really nice place. That's cool. Mm. Hopefully not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of which, <laughs> um, so I think we should start off with uh, what made you want to write this book? Mm-hmm. Um, I. I talk about this in the introduction. I, I grew up pretty privileged. Um, I grew up in Streatham, which is very multicultural. And so for me, my instances of kind of racism had been very slim. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think I really fully grasps, grasped what people of color kind mm-hmm. of face mm-hmm. because I was kind of living in this bubble where everything was mostly okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I started to get older and get out there in the real world, I started to see real, you know, systemic racism, mm-hmm. um, real prejudice. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when I started to become more self-conscious about what's going on in the community, not just from a racial perspective, but also from a gender perspective. Mm-hmm. And then I just wanted to find out whether all these stereotypes that people talk about are real and, you know, what, just where did it start from? How did it become popular? And so it was just more of an investigation for myself. It was and a self-examination because, yeah, I had just lived a very privileged life and I just wanted to educate myself. And then when I started going down that road, I thought, oh, my God, you know, people need to know about this and that's kind of how the book came about yeah. one thing i actually found really interesting that you sort of mentioned in the book was about how so you grew up in nigeria well you grew up in nigeria or you went to nigeria after i went to nigeria when i was four or six mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think I was six, yeah. So you mentioned like, like you were there till you were about 15. Mm-hmm. And like you talked about like how majority of the people around you were the same skin color as you. Yeah. And that's something I really related with because before I came, so I moved to the UK when I was 11. Mm-hmm. So I never really thought of myself as black mm-hmm. because yeah. every, no one is really black. Like what's the word black? No one is really black. Everyone's just Yoruba, Igbo, Hausa, Edo. There's no such thing as being black. Mm. But, you, but what I found really interesting was how coming to the UK and sort of seeing different people of different colors and how there's like in the UK there's so much onus placed on labels yeah and like being black or being a woman of color mm. or just different types of label or being LGBT as well there's yeah that's, that's what I found really interesting yeah mm-hmm. it's it's very interesting because you're always asked to kind of be one thing mm. and you can't be quite a lot of different mm. things and then of course nobody is ever really just one mm. thing um, so this whole idea of you having to kind of define yourself. Mm. I remember, so I was in the States the week before last and I was mm. speaking to a friend of mine and she was saying, I find this whole idea of like class system very strange. Mm. Uh, she's American and she mm. just didn't get the kind of Britishness of a middle class mm. and like upper yeah. middle mm. class. Like how much do you have to earn mm. to fit into these yeah. categories? And I think they're just things we just make up, you mm. know. Mm. There's people who... And not well off, and there are people who are, but we just tend to put ourselves into classes, mm. and it's a very specific British thing, I think. Mm, really. I heard that in America <coughs> that they just call like they call the working people class like middle class. Yeah, yeah. That's what I heard too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just kind of unless you're filthy rich, you're just working class or like yeah. middle class. There's no kind of upper middle class, upper lower. Cl- uh, there's just none of that. It's just, I mean, sometimes particularly in manufacturing towns, they have things like blue-collar workers or mm. white-collar oh, yeah, workers. Yeah. But that's just people who work in manufacturing or work with their hands, blue-collar, mm. and people who work in an office, white-collar. So it's, again, just unnecessary labels. It's yeah. very interesting. <laughs> yeah. I was going to take you back to yeah. kind of like the growing, the steps towards creating your book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had this idea and, you know, you had all these experiences. Um, Like, I mean, most three of us here are lit grads. Mm -hmm. And, you know. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the one that's not a lit grad. That's a critical examination of the book. No, no. I mean, we love the book. There there were techniques that we picked up on that we we were here for. but like just to get yourself like for all of our listeners out there that, mm. you know, want to get into publishing, kind of like into a creative industry like that. Um, how did you manage to get in touch with an agent and like all these like little finicky steps that you had to go through? How long did the book take to process? How many years did you take to research? All these. Oh, my God. All these questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, publishing a book is quite difficult particularly if you're a person of color, just because most of the people who work in publishing Mm -hmm. aren't people of color. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes they might have a great idea on their hands, Mm -hmm. but because that experience is not something they can relate to, they sometimes find it difficult to buy into that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that doesn't mean it's impossible. And certainly over the last couple of years, we've seen that it's not, you know, I'm sure you ladies would know about the book Slay in Your Lane. That fantastic (laughs) book, Uh, The Good Immigrant. um, So, you know, these books are out there. Um, So how I came across uh, or how I got into publishing was I was living in Ireland at the time and there was a writing competition where you send in a thousand words Mm -hmm. if they like it and if you win the competition or if you're part of one of the winners 
then you get half an hour sit down with an agent. So oh. <laughs> weirdly enough, I sent in 1,000 words on the stereotype about black people, black men being well endowed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of their favorite what? chapters. Yeah. Yeah. So this that, that chapter is like an original piece. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. That must have been great for the agent to read. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, to be honest, he wasn't really feeling it. He was just like, it's a bit gimmicky oh, and then yeah. and so but the thing is i tried to explain to him it's like you have no idea just how much this kind of follows black men yeah. ar around um and then later on in the chapter i talk about the sexualization of black women and women of mm -hmm. color and mm -hmm. you all are in this room who know that mm -hmm. that just follows you around as well yep. um so i had a chat with this agent and he sort of gave me hints and and tricks and tips uh, and then I started writing and I got a couple of chapters together and I started pitching it out. Um, I got rejected a lot, a lot. But I believed in this book. I didn't necessarily believe in myself, okay. but I believed in the book and mm. what it had to say. And I believed that the arguments I make, I make in a way that doesn't make anyone feel stupid mm -hmm. or make anyone who doesn't know feel racist mm -hmm. so um so i just kept on pitching and then there's this my literary agency they're called the good literary agency mm -hmm. oh my god such a fantastic agency they're a social enterprise uh they only represent people from underrepresented backgrounds so low income lgbtq differently abled people of color and because it's a social enterprise the profits go back into the company to just try and get more uh, underrepresented people writing. So um, I signed with them and yeah, we, we were off to the races. Um, and to answer your last question, I started writing this about five years ago um, when it was just like a series of essays. And then I just kind of stopped just because I wasn't getting any progress. And then about two and a half years ago, I was like, okay, let's time to do this as a book. So. I think if I had written it all in one, it would have taken me three and a half years. Mm -hmm. uh, but because of all of the break, it took, I think, five and a half altogether. Wow. So this wasn't a continuous process. This was you coming back and starting and stopping. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it was only the last two years that were like every weekend, just oh. powering it through. Um, the chapter about like black people's relationship with the police, I had to take a break after that just because that was yeah. hard. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, was, that was a hard one to write. Um, so I like, took a couple of weeks to just kind of take mm -hmm. care of myself mm -hmm. uh, and then afterwards I got back into it self-care is important yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember reading that chapter and I think it I was on the train at that point mm. and I actually read your book a lot on the tube like yeah. back to from it work I got a lot of looks from white women oh my god there was one time I was standing and just reading it and the white lady like you know when you stand on the tube and there's someone sitting there mm. yeah. so she was just looking at the cover and she kept eyeing it like just looking confused or upset and then I she told her to buy we a made copy. eye contact and I just went back to reading like oh, <laughs> reading this book. But um so yeah, when I was reading the chapter on like like I think it one thing that really like stood out to me is the facts and the figures and everything that you kept writing. I was thinking in my head, how did it not make you like angry mm. or just just full of like 
because reading it, I was just, I was getting full of rage. Yeah. Because obviously, like, you see things on Twitter and online and you see the videos and everything and you know what's happening out there. Mm. But when, mm. like, you see the statistics, like, the hard facts in front of you, yeah. it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's it's absolutely insane. And I went through all of the emotions. I, I, I was sad. I was angry. At one point, I was delirious. I started laughing because I was just like, this is crazy. Like, this is yeah. so absurd. Mm. Um, I mean... Black people are stopped 40 times more than white people by the police. And that's just insane. And like four times more likely to be used forced, uh, for force to be used against them. So, you know, (laughs) even now, it's just, it's so absurd to say. Um, And so, yeah, I, I went through all of the, all of the motions and especially the instances in the states you know it just mm. it's some of them are just heartbreaking mm. um but then ultimately i again i just came back to like this story is important to tell so yeah. you know suck it up um i took care of myself and, you know i spent a lot of time with uh, a lot of my friends who are black just mm. talking about this and just like leaning on each other mm. and so yeah that kind of get, gave me the strength to to carry on mm. like community is a big like an important thing yeah. and i think you say like that's kind of also shown in your book you kind of mention how the people around you who are white but also the people around you who are black and like your experience you reach out to them throughout the book i do have one question actually shoot those white girls that you're with in the pub when you're talking <laughs> about penises, what is their problem? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. The the well-endowed bit when they keep talking oh, about, yeah. like, oh, black men are like this. And then you kept saying, actually, I, <laughs> I was reading that, like, you have a black man right there. I think from from their perspective, they probably saw it as a compliment, mm. which, you know... I, as a man, if anyone says you're well endowed, then it's mm. a compliment. Mm. But the thing is, like, if it's based on a stereotype mm. and one that is just constantly used, you know, I mean, it, and it's not even just with being well endowed, right? It's with anything. If, say, you have, and, and I, I know a lot of mixed race people who have this because they're, if they have lighter eyes, everyone's like, oh my God, your eyes are so beautiful. And you're like, oh, thank you. And then the next guy you meet, oh my God, your eyes are so beautiful. Oh, thank you. And just like, it becomes that thing that everyone puts as an object of fetish. And then you're just like, well, I, you know, I'm also a good cook. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> I feel that. Because I was going to say, it's also the same thing about like, kind of, being a black woman and having like a bigger bum yeah and like everyone constantly sort of saying you know oh your bum is so big da, 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 da. Yeah. and i've actually i personally have experienced that in that like every time i've met people and i've dated it, they're always sort of talking about my ass rather mm. than just me as an individual right exactly. yeah and it gets very annoying because you're just like you know i'm more than just my bum yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm also a mulatto <laughs> <laughs> I like I like doing other things. Yeah. You know? And do you know what? I feel I feel like women get this more than men, but obviously mm. I couldn't mm. speak yeah. from it from mm. that perspective. But I've known I like you know, members my cousins whenever we're out and just people just like, oh my god. And then my friends as well, just mm. and like it's just like there's other things mm. about them that are beautiful and amazing mm. and mm. makes you want to spend time with mm. them. And so why pick on this one thing mm. which honestly i i guarantee that most of the men who are like oh my god you've got a big mm. but they probably don't, don't even care they mm. just like that's just the thing mm. that they think is sexy yeah. to say mm. whereas 
you know, I don't know of anybody who is not sort of more appreciative than being told you are funny mm. or you are smart mm. or you are kind. Mm. I, I would much prefer someone to say to me, oh my God, you're so smart than, mm. oh my God, you're so sexy. Mm. I mean, if you want to say I'm sexy, that's fine. That's fine too. But also I've got something going on up here. So yeah. that would be quite nice too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, oh my gosh, okay, it's quiet. I can <laughs> <laughs> I've just been listening. <laughs> Go on, Danny. I had a question about the police actually, because mm. obviously as well, reading that chapter, I was just kind of choking, trying not to cry. I mean, it is, it's a gut-wrencher. I just want to know, like, what is your kind of, like, view on them now? Like, having finished writing the book and mm. it's, like, done and you can now think of them maybe a little bit more objectively? Yeah, I mean, it's so funny. When growing up, I was always told, if you ever get stopped by the police, be kind, be courteous, don't... Like, even though police in this country don't have guns, like, don't make any sudden movements, yeah. just be respectful everything and when i speak to my friends who 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 are white and i say what what did your parents tell you about the police they're like if anything is the matter or if you ever get in trouble just call the police they'll be there they'll be friendly they'll help you yeah exactly (laughs) and it's so like those two different experiences and so now having written this book i i have a little bit more of a cynicism to um towards the police but at the same time i recognize that they are also victims of systemic racism from across the ages because if you're constantly being told black people are criminals black people are criminals black people are criminals it just permeates into your mind and so they are also victims of this stereotype Mm -hmm. and obviously not compared to Mm -hmm. us but they also need to sort of learn and go, they need to separate from their minds Mm. like black and crime because they're not synonymous. Mm. So um, even though I'm more (laughs) pessimistic about that, I'm starting to realize, you know, through doing this research is that, yeah, it's just because they're constantly being told this. Uh, Every time you look, uh, you, you watch a TV show and there's a black person there and they're like the gangster or the criminal or the drug dealer, you know, it, it just like forms something in your mind. So in as much as like we have to call out police brutality, it's also on the police as well to separate themselves from this long narrative that they've been subject to about black people or people of color being criminals. Yeah, absolutely. Also kind of on that topic a bit, mm. I mean, it's a little bit linear. So that the drugs chapter, so I was yeah. reading that and I was just thinking, I didn't actually know where the origins of marijuana came from. So it was very interesting to learn that. Mm. And I was just thinking, so where did that actually get mixed up within the black community? And just obviously we know the, we know the outcome of that. And I was just, it's just really uncomfortable. But like, what did you feel when you were researching that and found out that it had nothing to do with us? <laughs> it's so fascinating because again, I'm subject to that stereotype. You know, I did think oh you know black people maybe you know from the caribbean mm. like jamaica you know and then i read this and i was like whoa hold on like people were smoking weed in china like from mm. the beginning of time like mm-hmm. it's just insane um and i think a lot of that narrative came from the states with um mexican immigrants who sort of brought the and it's not even that they brought the jo- drug for recreational use you know it was a, it's a plant so they sort of brought it with them as they came into the states and it was part of this whole narrative of if you're black and brown, then you can't do anything. 
you can't do anything that will not be seen to benefit society as a whole. Like Chris Rock has this amazing piece in, um, I think it's like Bring the Pain or Kill the Messenger, where he's just like, alcohol and drug companies, are, and drug as in pharmaceutical companies, are owned by white people. And alcohol and pharmaceuticals and cigarettes kill people like so much more often than any sort of like illicit drug, let alone weed, right? But it's perfectly legal because, you know, it's not owned by people of color at all. Um, And so this kind of idea that if you're black or if you're brown, then this is something negative that you're bringing into the community. And that was why there was not as much a stigma around cocaine because it was like posh white people Mm -hmm. who were sort of doing it, right? Um, Mm. And so that's kind of where the criminalization of of weed came from. And now that it's starting to become legalized, who owns all these weed shops? Not a black person. It's (laughs) a slap in the face of people that have been arrested for like possessing weed. Like it's crazy. They're not going to be immediately released either. So, (laughs) And that's the crazy ironic thing. It's like this thing that has been used to criminalize us for so long is now used to make white people rich. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of like, well, where's the justice in that? Exactly. People were saying that they should release those who have been incriminated for like possessing like or like being yeah. caught with like dr- um, with like weed. Absolutely. In America. Mm. And Especially people in states were, that yeah. like yeah. it's yeah. been legalized in now. Mm. 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 But a lot of people were arguing that, well, they did it when it was illegal, so they should still face the punishment. Mm. Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, so... I don't think people understand just how expensive it is to keep someone in prison. Yeah. It oh, is yes. so, yeah. so expensive. Mm. And so if you even look at the societal damage of having, you know, a couple of joints in your pocket, or even if even if we go a class higher, like if the having cocaine in your pocket, if you look at the societal damage of possession of cocaine, not distribution, possession versus the cost of keeping someone in prison Mm. for a year it just doesn't even sort of balance and i'm by no means saying let's just let everyone deal drugs Mm. however they want i'm just saying like there's there has to be other options Mm. like if we're saying drug dealing damages the community then maybe the penalty should be um, rehabilitation, rehabilitation, community outreach. Like what can you do to benefit the community Mm. and not we're going to lock you away and then just kind of forget about you. And then when you finally get released, what are your options? You can't get a job. I I was actually Mm. having this conversation because I recently watched um, When They See Us. And they were talking. Yeah, I I, I, I watched it. Because I I basically told myself I wasn't going to watch it because I hate watching films where like, I hate just like I don't like crying about like injustice mm. because it just it just pisses me off. But I ended up watching it anyways, and um, I don't know if you've seen it as well. I need to be in the right frame <laughs> yeah. of mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but the, yeah. so obviously when the guys um, got out of prison, mm. they had to obviously register as, um, sex offenders. Yeah. And one of the things that they found really difficult was going back into society because when they left, they were only like child- they were fourteen, sixteen year old children. Mm. Now they're out and they're sex offenders, so they can't get a job. They can't yeah. work with other offenders um mm. one of them had to sort of like because he tries to get a job numerous times but he mm. couldn't so he had to cut, sort of start dealing drugs in mm. the end and then he went back to jail mm-hmm. yeah so it just kind of shows like how difficult it is 
when you've been incriminated and trying to go back into society and they tell you, you know, you can get a job, you can do all of these things, but you actually can't. No, like, no. it's so hard. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you've been wrongly convicted as yeah. well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you know the story. One of them just went to the police station to see their friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that, that's the one that, oh. yeah. do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. just, it's, it's, in, I, yeah. Uh, I, I've been told that I say it's insane too much, but no, that is no, mad. It is. it's mad. The world is mad. Yeah, yeah, I just um, yeah. So, but the thing is, it's I I need to see that, but yeah. I need to be in the right frame yeah, of mind. Yeah. I still haven't seen Twelve Years a Slave. Oh, <laughs> me neither. Actually, actually. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm with you. I yeah. can't. Yeah. My parents showed me Roots when I was uh, a kid. I actually watched that. Yeah, mm. still haven't that seen that. Damaged me. Yeah. I was just like. Right. Uh, <laughs> funny, I actually watched that in year eight, like in history class. And oh, I yeah, that was for black history. history. Yeah, it's for oh. black history. Of course, month. it was yeah. for black history. I walked out of the classroom and the, the teacher walked after me and he was like, You okay? I was like, I just couldn't watch it. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that because the thing is, they do. Oh, Roots is um, it's a film. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's basically a film, yeah, kind of depicting the life of a slave who's like from when he's captured to when he gets to America and like how his life goes. That's That's how I understand. I've never seen it. Yeah. Um yeah. It's it's deep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's a very sad. The first movie. episode is just it just tracks you in. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And it's um I think what basically what you were saying, they showed that for Black History Month. Yeah. Mm. Again, another thing which I hate is like for Black History Month. And we've talked about this like yeah. in all our Black History Month talks about how Black history for in this country is like we talk about slavery mm. and what happened in America, yeah, and then nothing we don't about, talk about British history. We don't talk about what and what I found very interesting. Did? Sorry, <laughs> to cut you off, blessing. No, cool. But what I found really interesting was how in the book you mentioned that about a certain percentage of like British people believe that the British Empire was, was like a good thing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> 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 I, I wouldn't try and find the chapter, <laughs> but I found that sound. really oh, like just very. Yes, yeah, I found it really interesting that like because. It's, I want to say it's mad, but I'm not that surprised, to be honest, because there's this sense of, like, pride and nationalism in, in the in the UK that, like, you know, anything that we're doing, we're doing it for the good, and, yeah. you know. Yeah, thank yeah you. it's um, 59% mm. of people think that the British Empire mm. was, uh, was a good mm. thing. Collective madness, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but the thing is, like, all we were taught about the British empire was like oh we went here and we did some mm. great things and we, we taught, taught people you, english mm. we taught you savages how to speak you know and there was this small time where there was slavery but everything's yeah, okay it's now it's all good now it's all good yeah yeah i mean but you find that in the states it's it's pretty much the same as well the way they treat their indigenous people is just like mm. they they call them Indians. They're like they're not Indians. Yeah. It's like you knew from day one. Yeah. You know, Christopher Columbus was like, "Oh, hey, I'm in India." Like, no, this is yeah. America. India's all the way over there. And it's like, well, we're gonna call you Indian. Like, mm. we're not Indians. Like, red Indians. Mm. Like, no, they're American. They're Native Americans. Mm. But again, you know, it's just why would you want to point out? the fact that you've been horrible for literally hundreds mm. of years when you can just like yeah. do a different narrative. Mm. And I think we can learn a lot from from the Germans. I mean, I, every time I go to like Berlin or Munich, I can't go more than like a mile without seeing a monument to all of the people who died in the Second World War and mm. all of the crimes that Nazis 
committed and they teach that in school and they teach in such a factual way and in yeah. a way that goes this can never ever ever happen again mm-hmm. and i just think in terms of the, just kind of owning your history i think that's a yeah beautiful example and i've never heard any german person go well you know i didn't do it or yeah. my father didn't do it they kind of and i say they as a generalism yeah. but by and large as a society they take it on as this is something that happened mm. and it happened on our watch mm. and so we're going to educate ourselves so mm-hmm. that it never ever mm-hmm. happens again yeah. and i would just love for other nations mm. um to to take that on mm-hmm. I, i went on a boat tour in amsterdam and the tour guide was like oh you know we were one of the first countries to go to south africa And I was like, yeah, That's for slavery. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> It's not um, like you guys um, who just went on holiday. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true, guys. That's true. That's true. That's true. like oh you know uh, she was making a point that actually amsterdam in particular and the netherlands in general uh, they're quite a multicultural society mm. and they very much are um but it's just the way she was just like just trying to pave over the bad and was like oh yeah you know we're one of the first countries to go to south africa and that's why a lot of south african that's why afrikaans mm. sounds a lot like dutch and i was like okay yeah but <laughs> slavery <laughs> not like that's why they still do that black peak is that in yeah oh yeah i was gonna ask you about that because you haven't got it in your book no. and i was gonna ask like were there th- like chapters that you'd written that you weren't able to put in the book mm. like so yeah. that discuss topics like this so um there were a couple of things that i had to remove um i spent a lot actually on gender and oh. sexuality in gender because oh, we were gonna ask you about it like, why isn't it <laughs> that would have been really interesting to hear yeah. sort of like the black community and like lgbt yeah yeah so i try i try to put as much about the lgbt mm-hmm. commu- lgbt community as i could yeah unfortunately i f- didn't find a lot of research so one oh. of the things you will notice about this book is very research yeah. heavy yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. i couldn't find a lot of research And then the gender stuff, particularly around sexuality that I put in, my editor said, you know, this is really good, but it's not specific to black women. It's mm. about oh. women in general. Mm. So, you know, um, in the episode where... Episode? <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you giving us like a spoiler? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a spoiler. Made it to a TV <laughs> show? Netflix series. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Gotta get hey, that put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> put it out there. Someone's yeah. listening. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Um, the chapter where I talk about sex and sexuality, I mm. also looked at like why the the fascination when it comes to sex is just on like male pleasure only mm. and not like female pleasure. And mm. throughout the history of time, like sex has been defined by male pleasure. Mm. Um, some of the greatest minds of their day, like Freud. Mm. Um, used to diagnose women as crazy just because they couldn't orgasm through penetrative sex and it's like i'm sorry what (laughs) um and so there was there was a lot more kind of around that and Mm. uh, my editor and i do think it was a very very good note he was just like if you want to write something on gender um that's great but i think this needs to be specific to black women's experience Mm. and i thought that was a very very good point So there will be a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully this does well. Everyone buy this and so <laughs> publish it. Like, okay, let's write another one. Um, 
I actually wanted to ask you about the fact that obviously you are a black man, mm-hmm. right? right? Okay. Really? <laughs> 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 um, so I think it, it didn't become cl- very plain to me till we got to the sex uh, part when I was reading and then you then started talking about black women. And I was like, oh, right. Most of the book has been from the black male perspective. Mm-hmm. So obviously, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you just I, having the realization. I, I, I actually, so basically with the book, mm. so I had to read like the towards the ending so mm-hmm. I can have like notes towards the ending. Yeah. But I'm currently... At sports. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I haven't actually read the middle Why part. Are you okay. revealing yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This wasn't necessarily so, so, so. addition. Yeah. I said just explain. So that's you why I didn't know. Sorry, sorry. Well, just sit there. So, right. So, um, obviously, from the black male perspective. Mm. So, um, I think I, that obviously, I guess I just want to ask, like, mm. why? I mean, I can think of the obvious reason, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would. Yeah, well, I think it's on page two and that's just because we started the introduction uh, part, uh page two of the introduction but we started the introduction to the halfway through like if you find the passage if you, you read oh, it out, yeah you know the okay. author is here okay, okay. <laughs> let me read it out and um hopefully that will explain um right even though i'm black writing about race simply wasn't a priority for me because well i'm privileged as fuck sure i'm black but i'm a man which makes life significantly easier for me I'm well-educated and middle-class, and I work for one of the largest, most profitable countries in, at companies in the world, for God's sake. And I had an upbringing that valued education, so I never had to work in order to pay for my schooling. So even though I've suffered discrimination in my life, my personal experiences really weren't going to inspire a cultural and racial revelation. Um, so I, I felt it was really important to put that in just to reinforce the fact that I'm basing this on my experience and the research out there. I am never going to speak as eloquently about the black female experience as you are. Um, And so I wanted to be really honest about that, to just say, look, I'm black, but I'm still very privileged. I'm a man. Um, And as you'll notice from this book, there are a lot of, there are just a lot of personal stories Mm, about, about me as well. So where I felt like there was enough research that I could touch on black women without trying to make Mm. it seem like I know everything about that experience, I do. So on like sexualization, I talk about Sarah Bartman, for Mm. instance, Um, in chapter about work, I talk about, you know, it sucks to be a black man at work, but it's 10 times worse for black women Mm. and Mm -hmm. how they get paid significantly less. Um, So I try to do justice to that, but I'm in no way an expert on what it's like to be mm. a black woman. So I wanted to toe that line very carefully. I think you did a good job in that. Yeah. Yeah. My personal you. opinion as a black woman. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah. you. That I was the thing I was most worried about. Yeah. I didn't want to isolate black women at mm. all. Um, but at the same time, I didn't want to make it seem like I know what it's like to be in that mm. position. Yeah. I felt very seen reading it anyway. Oh, thank so. you. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> On a lighter note, so you talked about your anecdotes and things that were personal to you. So yeah. I really enjoyed the interlude and I oh, just kind of yeah. want, yeah. I want some more like background context on how you came up with these 12 rules because I agree with all of them, obviously. <laughs> but just if you could just tell us like some stories about that. Yeah, so um, it's very interesting when you talk, and this is, uh, for the listeners, this is the chapter on interracial dating. I think if you date someone outside of your race, there's sometimes that 
there's some similarities between races. Mm. So whenever I've dated anyone who is Indian, for instance, I found that there's a little bit more similarity. Mm. Um, you know, like our jollof rice, their curry. Like we love mm. that spicy mm. food. We love that uh, that kind of flavor in our food. Um, we call our elders like uncle and auntie. They yeah. do the same as well. So I feel like there's that kind of similarity. You know, even look at our form of entertainment, Nollywood, mm. Bollywood. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 you know, it's kind of a, a, a little bit more similar. Um, but then when I'm dating someone who is white or maybe someone who is like Chinese or Japanese, then I find that the cultures are a little bit more skewed. Not 100%, but in kind of like different ways. Um, and so I was thinking about my current relationship and some of the kind of hiccups or some of the kind of challenges where, that we faced. And I thought, how can I make this funny? Mm. Um, and I had said to my girlfriend like very early on that, if you don't like jollof rice, I don't see this working. It's real though. I'm sorry. Um, but and also throughout the book, I just I, I wanted to have fun things in there. Yeah. You know, it, it, after a heavy chapter, I just kind of want to like mm. let's have a little bit of a laugh. And so mm. that is kind of where the interlude came from. And my editor really liked it. He was like, mm. "Oh my god, thank you for putting this in." Yeah. Um, so yeah. One thing I actually sorry. One thing I actually. <laughs> I want to say something, but I'll uh, let you go first. One thing I was gonna say, add on to what you said, um, what you just said, is that what I really appreciate about your book is just how comical it is. So, like mm. the little asterisk, yeah. yeah. The pluses. I'm not an English lit person, so I don't know about the plus, what that means. But like, I really, um, I really like. I really liked just how comical it was and how like you'd be sarcastic about certain things and it's just, it was really nice. And oh, one, another point I was going to make was that um, one thing I also really appreciate is that although there's a lot of research behind everything that you're saying, the book doesn't feel like academic if you get what mm -hmm. I mean. So like yeah. when like you kind of read books about race um, within, like, within university, it's very like academic and there's like a lot of big words and you know you're Very having intense. to like use the dictionary to know what that <laughs> certain word means what i like about the book is just how easy it's just to, to just kind of read it and you can like kind of flow with everything you were saying yeah, yeah. 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 Definitely. thank you yeah. that's why i wanted to put a lot of personal experiences yeah. in there um and I don't know if you've noticed already, but I've got kind of more of a playful sense yeah. of humor yeah. and I really wanted that to, to come through. So I wanted parts of the book to be very serious and everyone mm -hmm. be like, this is mm. pretty serious. But then I also, I wanted to capture how absurd racism is. Mm. And I yeah. think the best way to do that is to kind of make yeah. people laugh and use a lot of metaphors to go, well, mm. hold on, that makes yeah. no sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, so I'm glad you liked that. I think the conversational part of it was something that was really fun as well because mm. you be ha it's like having a conversation yeah. Yeah. like a lot of these topics are things that you would have in conversation so you wouldn't just like present a factual paper to a white person when they said something <laughs> wrong yeah. you would have a conversation mm. you'd hope to have a conversation <laughs> so I like the fact that you constantly made like little like quips and said things and kind of basically had a conversation throughout mm -hmm. the book and one thing I really found I wanted to ask you is like why the pop quiz element oh yeah <laughs> um so that was something that my editor suggested and it's so important to have a really good editor because they were like let's grab let's grab someone straight in and yeah. so if you're reading a chapter on police brutality let's just ask a question to get people thinking actually 
by what percentage or how many times more are black people stop and search than white people? And then if you go um, four times and then you get to the end of the chapter and you realize it's 40 times, mm, that's yeah. a little bit more powerful. So uh, I have to credit my editor, Hugh Armstrong, for that. He's a very smart man. Mm, um, Misha, I feel like you've been trying yes, to ask I was just about to yes, say, sorry. <laughs> That's fine. I was just I was just going to bring it back to uh, the interracial dating. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, with the way that you write your book, it was so easy for me to read. It was hard in some places, but it also was very, very enjoyable. Um, but I, if you're in an interracial relationship as a black person, mm. and say, for example, you're dating a white person, and you find that they're not as woke mm-hmm. as you hoped for them to be, mm-hmm. You know, you you're kind of like uh, I've got because I've got a friend and she's in a relationship with a white man, and you know she's further digging into kind of like her blackness and kind of like she's been watching all these documentaries talking about the social injustices, and you know she wants to talk about them with her boyfriend, mm. um, but it's kind of like a thing where he doesn't want to fully accept it. But also, like he, he, he kind of brushes it off and kind of doesn't make it to be. I don't like that one. Friend of him, throwing the whole thing away. But you know, she really loves him, and that's that's oh. the other thing. So you know, she wants this relationship to work, and it's like in every other aspect, it's fine. But mm. this part where it's about race, yeah. and that's where it gets delicate. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, give me some wise words, Mr. Ooh. Author. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love you are now, you're now the professor. Yeah, I'm the professor. Oh, oh wow. Um, oh, I don't know if these are wise words. And obviously, I wouldn't want your friend to take this as gospel because obviously yeah. I don't know her or mm. the nature of her relationship with her boyfriend. But I don't think you could put race aside. Yeah. It matters so much. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you if you think about it in any other situation you can't ask that person to put it aside so Mm. for instance if your friend was a diabetic he can't be like well your diabetes is not of interest to me you know Mm. or if she was a vegan he can't just be unconscious about eating meat and like putting meat in the same fridge as hers or you know um or if she was you know if she was really ill he can't be like "Mm, you're my girlfriend outside of this illness you've got to take it all as part of a whole so i mean i I don't want to be a downer but i i kind of feel like her partner needs to understand that this is a very important part of her mm-hmm. it's like you can't have a boyfriend who's not a feminist mm-hmm. because they're like yeah. oh my god like yeah. why why yeah. is that it just means you don't respect Women. your partner as a woman yeah. so i feel like oh, i mean obviously if you're dating someone who is not from a minority community they're never going to be as woke as you are mm. But for them to show that willingness, but then also knowing when to shut, we can swear? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Knowing yes. when to shut the fuck up as well <laughs> and give your partner to, and like, have you, have you watched Dear White People? Yes. yes. Exactly. So you see that guy in the show, like he's woke, okay. but then yeah. also, yeah, sometimes you're like, okay, now's not your time yeah, to talk. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like for your friend, 
I would chat to her and just see how she will feel about having a really honest conversation with mm-hmm. her partner and just saying, this is so important to me. This is such a part of my life mm-hmm. that if you want to be a part of my life, you need to know that this is important. Mm-hmm. And then you also need to know that you are part of that system that fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a man and even though I'm a feminist, every day I have to reconcile myself with the fact that I'm part of a system that mm-hmm. benefits men Mm. and so sometimes that means i need to shut up and sometimes that means that i maybe need to put my needs aside Mm. to further a feminist cause Mm. i so i i i could be wrong but i just don't know how a relationship works if someone doesn't embrace this fundamental part of Mm. you and and even thinking about it in the long run as well (coughs) let's say they did get married and have kids Mm -hmm those kids as well would be black, like yeah. would be considered yeah. as being black. Mm-hmm. So it is something that you will have to sort of take into consideration because those children, children as well, their lives will be influenced by them being, you know, someone who um, is mixed race as well. Mm-hmm. The way that they're treated in society will also be influenced by that. And even him as like their father as well, like the experiences will influence the way that he's treated as well within community. Yeah. So, yeah. I always wonder about that, especially when I'm, because I feel like a lot of um, one one of the experiences that I've seen with some people that in interracial relationships, they always some of them say that, oh, why do black women or people of color have a problem with this, mm. or what's the issue with this? And I don't know that I do have an issue with it. Mm. I think my I I know I don't. I think the problem I have is if are you having these conversations because yeah. some people are uh, easy to be like oh we're not going to talk about this because mm. it's going to be like a big thing mm. um, but it is a thing like mm. we're, we're different races and it might not matter like to us but mm. out there to some people it is a thing mm. yeah no i mean being in an interracial relationship is hard mm. it's very very hard because not only do you have the pressures of a normal relationship you then also have these things where you're from two fundamentally different Mm. worlds and then the even when you're in that safe cocoon of your relationship the world outside does not reflect the love that you have for each other um and so it's very important i think to just kind of within that relationship Mm. acknowledge acknowledge that but then also as well i kind of i and I talk about this in the book as well, when you talk about interracial relationships, you can't ignore the fact that black men are like 50% more likely to date out of their race Mm -hmm. than black women. And when you look at all of the statistics on online dating, black women are so often the Mm -hmm. group that are least likely to be replied to. Mm. It's black women and Asian men, isn't it? Uh. Yes, exactly. And so you've always got to kind of challenge that assumption as to why. Uh, I have a friend, She, uh, we had this really great conversation when she was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just not into Asian men. Mm. And then I said, well, why? And she went, well, I think it's just by and large, they tend to be short. So I said, so your problem's not with Asian men, your problem's mm. with short men. Mm. But, what, you know, so, so, but what you've done is conflated yeah. being yeah. Asian with being, with being short. And I think that's a lot of the problem with stereotypes when it comes to dating. It's like, oh, I don't want to be with this white person because of this, or I don't want to be with mm. this black woman because of this. And they're all based in these negative stereotypes where it's like, ultimately... Do you love someone? Do they make you feel great? Do you make them feel great? Mm. Then, yeah. So I think if your friend's partner can 
get to the point where he realizes that this is such an important part of her life and for her for him to not consider it it's doing their relationship and her a disservice i think if he can get to that point then you know mm. good mm. i hope that was <coughs> good <laughs> no no i really appreciate that because when i was reading about the chapter on interracial dating like all i could think was like all i could think of was her mm. and kind of like how much like you know race is just a part of you that you can't get rid of That's and awful. like for someone who kind of like has the ability to kind of like not think about his own race yeah and kind of like you know can brush up like brush it off and kind of like behave that way mm. i was like this isn't yeah but that's that's again what we talk about like is, is this man white yes well see that's what we talk about when we say like white privilege it doesn't yeah. mean that you're a terrible person mm. it just means that so far none of these issues have had to apply to you so you don't see them mm. right you generally don't see them um i'll give you a personal example of my kind of male privilege that i had to realize up until about last year um i would sometimes make like n not shitty comments but just mm. like what i would consider as jokes if my partner was taking like way too long to mm. get ready and mm. I'd just be like, oh, come on, like why mm. are you taking so long? And then I had a conversation with a friend at work when we were going out for drinks and she was just like, okay, let me just go and change. And I said, oh, you brought an extra outfit. And then she said, yeah, just because, you know, if I wear my going out outfit at work, you know, people will just like look at me a certain way mm. or like mm -hmm. men won't be able to like focus when I'm trying mm. to have a meeting with them. Mm. Whereas when I'm going out, I'm going out. And, and then I was like, damn like I, for me as a man i just like is this clean and did i wear it yesterday <laughs> yeah. if the answer is yes and no i'm yeah. wearing it i don't have to consider like will i distract a woman mm. <laughs> yeah during a meeting and that just made me kind of realize that there's a science to getting ready to see to to show who to be who you want to be that day because the way women are judged in society is completely different from the way like men mm. are judged and so that was my privilege of like, because I'm a man and pretty much whatever I wear is okay. I have never really realized that actually that getting ready is the case of, you know, who do I want to be today? Mm. Or, you know, fuck what anyone else thinks about mm. me. This is what I want to wear today versus, God, if I wear this, it's going to be aggro and mm. things like that. So, yeah, if, you, if you've never had to deal with a problem, sometimes mm. it's so easy for you to dismiss it. Mm. Yeah. It probably goes back to the conversation we've even had on our radio show as well about like us as like girls dressing up in like churches and like um, around like uncles as well. And like mm. how our parents would sort of tell us, you know, you know, go cover up or, yeah. you know, you can't wear that skirt because it's, you know, it's too revealing mm. and stuff like that. And how like that we've internalized that and how that's like influenced the way that we even see ourselves as women, how you have to unlearn those and actually try and love your like even love your body mm. as you're getting older as well yeah because we talk a lot about like um like self-confidence and like self-love and like how um how we've sort of had to like unlearn a lot of the things that like our parents have told us as like young women like, and as like young girls in, like african households as well mm. Mm. no That's one ever told me to cover up at home mm. like no one mm. ever went oh you can't wear that because mm. some auntie is gonna be looking yeah. <laughs> mm. like it never happened mm. yeah, i'm still learning mm. that stuff i Same. catch myself sometimes like thinking oh 
I shouldn't let like oh that's a bit too short and I'm like wait hold on this is what I'm comfortable in mm. or oh it's revealing a bit too much chest and I'm like I want to show my chest like what's mm. the issue mm. but speaking of clothes yeah. I did want to bring notice to your shirt okay because actually one thing I did realize is that I have actually not met you before but um when you spoke on a creative access panel like I two did, years ago I and did. I was in the audience with my friend no way. and you wore that exact same I shirt did, yeah. and I loved it and I think I was sitting in the audience and you walked on stage I saw the shirt and I was like I'm gonna like this person <laughs> because this is like you know when you're going through that phase where you're like kind of getting in, you're realizing your blackness and you're mm. like bringing things out I was yeah. like yeah I'm like I like this person so for the people listening could you like just tell us what your shirt says yeah so um my shirt says black skin black nose Black lips, black hair, black everything, black, black, blackity black. <laughs> yeah. Blackity black, 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 black. <laughs> and I just wanted to bring attention to that because this book is like, it's so inherently, it's it's like black. Like it's also, it's about teaching people and it's about like being like you as a BME individual, but it's also about you being black and like experiences and to do with that. So speaking of like realizing your blackness or coming into that, like when was that period for you? Um, oh, it's tough. Um, I think it came in stages. Mm. So when I first came back from, be- before I went to Nigeria, I was, I was just way too young. When I when I got back from Nigeria, went back to Streatham, uh, went to a school in Norbury, which is near Thornton Heath. Um, and the school was quite multiracial. So Again, there were one or few people who would like make fun of my accent or whatever, but I never really felt different. Mm. Um, at uni, uh, you you all know hey. like tell them where you went. Tell them where you went. Tell them where you went. UKC. Yeah, though it's kind of going through some things right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I feel it. I'm there. I'm there. Um, yeah, I loved Canterbury. A- again, like the student body when I went was very multiracial. Mm. Lots of black people. In fact, I spent most that during that time was the most amount of time that I spent with black people as a collective. Ooh, yeah. But then also um, my house that I was living in. You know, my best friend. Uh, half Cyrilonian, half Malaysian, and I was living with a Ghanaian as well, someone from China. Um, they, I, we just had a multicultural household. So I guess the first time, I'm guessing it's changed by, uh, <laughs> yeah, <I played laughs> by your looks now. Like oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. No, when I, when I went to UKC, it was, it was very, very multicultural. Wow. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what happened? Because, well, maybe not Canterbury itself is diverse, but when students leave literally everyone and their cousin is white like, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah, yeah. I, it was definitely the student body yeah. yeah so i didn't really i wouldn't come home for um for like holidays mm. i craved my independence and i didn't mm. want to go back home uh and then it was like yeah and it, even it wasn't even where the black people was like where are the people under the age of 30 yeah. <laughs> you know at that time yeah. Yeah. so it was mostly the student body but i i felt so included and you know i was at uni and so i was enjoying life and just 
playing pool. Is is Woody still there? Woody's yeah. Still oh, still. Actually, oh, yeah, Woody's actually, got actually, broke down. Yeah, been, Woody's got um. We went through it, yeah, it got demolished, and now we have a new Woody's. Oh. I don't know how you feel about it, but come back, see it, yeah. and let us know what you yeah. think. Because people have mixed feelings. Everyone misses old Woody's. I love. Woody's. I myself miss old I, Woody's. I'm not gonna. Even though I, I work the new one, I work for the student union now. I miss it. It's it's like a it's like. It's got two floors. It's got two floors. It's, really? it's got yeah. two floors. We have like a dance That's studio a dance in studio. there. Oh, wow. There's like a shop in. What was the shop called? Was it called Essentials when you yeah. were there? Yes. yes. Okay. It will forever so, be essentials. Yeah. Don't try and push <laughs> shop on us. Enough, it's actually turning to a co-op. Really? It's going to oh. be a co-op in September. I mean, yeah. it basically was a co-op. Yeah, but now it's going to be. It's now going to be a co-op and, and um, franchise. Mm, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're calling it like the student. Is it the student? It's called the SU shop right now. but It's going to be called co-op in September. Oh, wow, is yeah. uh, the works and venue still? The yeah, well, ven- venue oh, venue's sad. still there. Venue, yeah. yeah. Oh, you was there when it was called the venue. I thought you still had it because it was called the attic at one point. Oh, I remember that was like was before. Above. Nah. That's the student. Oh, that was there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah, I, yeah, I, cool. I digress. I thought um, you guys no. were talking about the loft. <laughs> yeah. I was like, the loft's one in like central. That right? was like yeah. near Albury's. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, cool. been to the loft. Did you go to Cuban? I think Cuba rebranded. It used to be something else, then it became Cuba. Like, no. It was the was thing that was next to Cafe Nero. It was the thing next to Cafe Nero and uh, the cancer sh- charity shop. Cancer research charity shop. Ooh. It was famous for its R and B room on the top floor, like had this that tiny R and B room. Yeah. Oh no, no! Yeah. <laughs> I should caveat this by saying I'm 34, so cancer <laughs> 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 hasn't changed that much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was called the venue when you were there, so yeah, yeah. 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 you're young, not that much. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah, uh, but yeah, I my when I kind of experienced my blackness, I think it was when I went to law school. Um, even though there's, even though lots of uh, West Africans or mm. people of West African heritage go into law, still very like, it, it's it's not very multicultural. Mm. Um, so that was kind of the first time that I started to realize. And then I lived in Ireland for a while, and again, there's not a lot of black people there. It was so fascinating to me. It was the first time in my entire life that I walked into a restaurant and be the only black person, mm. well, be the only person of color in a mm. restaurant or in a bar. Mm. Um, and so that kind of helped me realize it. But I have to credit this this book for making me realize my, my blackness. And I feel like I've still got a, a longer journey to go. I don't mm. think I'm I'm fully there. But uh, hopefully, I will soon. Yeah, I think it's a process as well, and it's yeah. not like. And again, I don't want to say like there's one type of blackness. Obviously, of everyone has like their thing. And like you guys were saying before, like in Nigeria, you're just you. It's not yeah. like you're black. You're just you. So you probably are. You know who you are. Yeah. But I think it's like in my mind, coming into like your blackness is like learning about how the world also sees you yes. and also how you can still be you regardless of what the world thinks of you mm. and it's kind of i think it's like it's it's a very it can be an emotional stressful time and, and i think it's something that you continually go through because mm. there are p- points where you're like i'm super woke about everything and it's <laughs> like i'm tired i just want to ignore the black people not the black people mm. the uh, the unwoke white people mm. um but kind of going into wokeness that's yeah. actually a question i want to ask you what do you do when someone who you think was woke disappoints you because you mentioned like, wokeness before and i was like yeah that, that that can hit and this book is about like it's not just about telling people it's also teaching people mm. yeah. so would we slide them a copy of the book and be like <laughs> read up 
definitely slide them a copy of books yes. or actually encourage them to buy ah, their own. That's so good. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Buy. Um, <laughs> 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 Making notes. Yeah. <laughs> Give them the ISBN number. Yes. Like, yeah. This is what you mean. <laughs> um, I think a, a reality that we just need to be comfortable with is that they will disappoint at mm. some stage as will we mm. you know i talked about being a feminist i make mistakes all the time mm. i think the difference between someone who you want to spend more time with and someone who you don't is someone who goes i hear you and i'm sorry mm. not someone who goes yeah but what i mean is this mm. and i meant it like this and it's like okay yeah that's fine but recognize your privilege and just you know i talked about when to shut the fuck up and mm -hmm. i think people will always disappoint because no one's perfect um and no one knows your individual situation and why that could what they said or what they did could be offensive um and so i think it's a case of just do they apologize and listen like mm -hmm. listening is so important like mm -hmm. for people in relationships you know yeah. like, mm -hmm. sometimes you're just so mad and you mm -hmm. just go but if only they could understand what i'm mm -hmm. trying to say they'll get it and it's like you know sometimes it's important to say i hear you and i'm sorry and even if you don't come to the point where you disagree or sorry you come to the point where you agree i hear you i see you is so powerful so I think, again, we just... Oh, <laughs> look, I'm angry. It's very full from the Oh, it's because you don't have the headphones. You, <laughs> what, did you, you hear my button pop? No, your sigh was... Oh, oh, yeah. It's like my button pop. I was going to say, yeah, I'm full from the weather spoon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was like, whoa, that's deep. Or, whoa, that's, that's what I thought it was. <laughs> no, it was like, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm also like the type as well where like if my partner is talking to me, I always try and reassure them that I understand what you're saying and I definitely see where you're coming from and sort of like that constant re reassurance is really nice mm. when someone is just hearing like what you're saying and like isn't belittling what you're saying and sort of saying oh let me play devil's advocate because that's what I really hate mm. yeah yeah I don't like that either mm. Mm. so if someone who's supposed to be woke or someone who is woke and they make a mistake at any point in time um, I think you as their friend or their partner or someone who's even in the vicinity if you explain it to them and they say, I hear you, I'm really sorry, or I hear you, but I don't understand. Can you maybe explain it to me more? They learn and then you learn something about them as well. So I I tend to be a little bit more forgiving, uh, but not always all the time. Sometimes you just don't have time for yeah. other people's bullshit and you've mm -hmm. just got to go, you know what, mm -hmm. that's you. That's mm -hmm. fine. I'm just going to walk away. Uh, but more often than not, if someone can't, see mm. i i make it my job to try and show them um and how they respond to that is a really really good indicator of mm. if there's someone you want to spend your time with i sort of i'm trying to figure out how i'm going to ask this question but do you sometimes get very um tired of having to explain race or like racial issues or even microaggressions sometimes in the workplace or just in general because one of the things i experience in my workplace is like having to sort of explain microaggressions mm. or even like earlier in the year, there was like an incident with like cultural appropriation mm. and I tried to like explain it, but no one was really understanding or it, they were kind of looking at it from like a lens of, oh, I'm just causing trouble rather yeah. than like, you know, this is actually a major thing. Mm. And it got to the point where like, I felt like I had to, um, I had to go against my values in order for, in order to kind of, um, I had to go against my values in order to 
um, make the workplace easier. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? I think at every point, and this is not even just a, a BAME thing, mm. it's just a human society thing. At every point, you have to, or it makes sense to sacrifice a little bit of individualism mm. for society. Yeah. Because if everyone in society did whatever they wanted, then mm. society wouldn't work. I think it's up to each individual person to go, this is the hill that I'm willing to fight this battle on. Mm. Or actually, you know what? Your wokeness is not my responsibility. Mm. And just kind of walk away. Mm. Um I I try to, but mm. you're right. Sometimes I get tired. Like mm. I don't want to be. So someone at work said to me, "Oh my God, we we've got this thing, and we really want a diverse point okay, of view." Okay, so we're gonna make <laughs> diversity champion. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, yeah. And do you know what? It, the way he said it, I actually felt proud because yeah. I just was like, "Wow, this is like mm. I'm known mm. for that." <laughs> but then at the same time, if you want me to be that all the time, then mm. pay me to be that Ooh. all the time. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes, <laughs> very true, very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like you've got you've got to got to do you and Mm. you know sometimes it's like yes this is so important to me that i'm really Mm. willing to fight for this and then other times you're like yeah you know what that's Mm. fine i can live with that i think there's always this onus of when you are sort of the first black person or like the only black person in a company there's that onus on you to sort of fight the battles for everybody else then you also have to think about your mental health Mm -hmm. but also like you also need to progress at work as well. You can't really, you know, be talking about blackness all the time. And it goes back to, well, oh crap, I forgot what I was going to say. Someone asked a question. <laughs> oh no. I've got, I've got a question, but it's completely different. Okay, <laughs> That's okay. I'll, okay. I'll remember yeah. Omalade's point and Thank then you. we can come back <laughs> if needs be. Um, there's a part in, I can't remember the chapter, but you talk about uh, skin lightening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are three countries that mm-hmm. have now banned skin mm-hmm. lightening products, which is amazing. Yeah. And I feel like India, Bangladesh and, you know, the South Asian continents really need to jump on that bandwagon. Mm. Um you were in Nigeria and kind of like you're growing up into your adolescence mm. and then you came back and like you said with Omolade, like your there wasn't really a definition of black back like in Nigeria. So coming back into England, did you feel like your perceptions of beauty in terms of what you saw for beauty within yourself skewed? Because when you came back and you saw that, you know, this is what you would see in magazines, this is what you saw the perfect man was looking like. Mm. Did you ever have these conflicts within yourself? And like, what did you find um, kind of, what did you find challenging in terms of to challenge that? And like, how did you overcome that if you have? Thank Which you. I hope That's you have. A, <laughs> You're asking a lot of loaded questions. No, sorry. but the thing, I'm really no, sorry. I, 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 <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's I was good. about to thank you for that question because yeah. it's a really good question and it's something that I, you know, I talked about it in the in the chapter a little bit about my self examination yeah. because when I left Nigeria, my idea of what beauty was was black women and Indian women. Mm-hmm. So my my parents loved bollywood and so i grow <laughs> i grew up like watching bollywood movies mm-hmm. up until i was about 16 my favorite movie is this indian movie what called tufan tufan ah yeah okay. it was great tufan dilsa like i just <laughs> like all the time i would watch bollywood movies and i would listen to um bollywood songs and mm-hmm. just like watch the music videos and 
So my idea of what beauty was was black and Indian only. Which, of course, is ridiculous because there's like 195 countries in the world. <laughs> so to just kind of limit it to that is ridiculous. And I, I did find it hard because I would come back and I came back to London and I'd watch TV and it's like, where are all the black and, and Indian women? And I think it's hard as well because the way young men are kind of sexualized as well is pretty mm. or exposed to sexuality is pretty bad you know mm-hmm. when i was growing up we had page three of the sun yeah. oh yeah there was zoo um what was that other terrible magazine that nuts uh I, like they were all oh, yeah exactly that. so it when you're growing up, there were all these things and then like kids would bring them to school and I'd be like, oh my God, like this. And for me, this was just my entry into yeah. like being a teenager mm-hmm. and sexuality and it's just terrible. And then, you know, they would have these magazines on the top shelf of yeah. off licenses and the, these things are the things that kids would just like pass around, mm-hmm. FHM, all of that yeah. stuff. And that's so dangerous. I think it was it. Amy Schumer or Jamila Jamil? I think it was Jamila Jamil. It was like saying the the way young men learn about sex is terrible. Like learning about sex from porn is like learning how to drive from Fast and Furious. Oh. Like it just doesn't make sense. So I had to, and talking about my journey of blackness, I had to kind of go back to that idea of what society is throwing at me is mm-hmm. not what my idea of a like in quotes, the mm. right woman should be. Mm. It should be based on more than just looks. Mm. And that's why in the book I talk about like the perception of whiteness as beauty because when you look at like any perfume advert, it's always like a very skinny, uh, very stereotypical uh, white person who is like the champion of beauty, right? Mm. I was walking through Heathrow the other day and as I was going through like duty free, you know, they have all these perfume adverts. Mm. I was like, there's literally no black or brown person on any of mm-hmm. these posters. All the women are like super skinny and like very high cheekbones. All the men have got like six pack. Um, and there's a Victoria's Secret store as well. And all the women just fit a specific mm-hmm. mode. And I remember thinking, who are you advertising that to? The only people who look like you are you. <laughs> like exactly. The people who live in the real world don't always look like that. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a huge examination of what I of like what do I find attractive and why do I find it attractive do Mm -hmm. I find it attractive because that's what society is telling me Mm -hmm. or do I find it attractive because this is what I'm looking for in a partner and that's a hard thing to always do when you meet someone Mm -hmm. and I don't always get it right in fact sometimes I cock up monumentally (laughs) Um, you know I've dated some people who were not great for me and some Mm -hmm. people who I was not great for them Mm -hmm. But I think it's just a learning process and we always need to challenge our introductions to sexuality, particularly Mm -hmm. if you're a guy, because I feel like if the first place that you learn about porn, uh, that you learn about sex is through porn, then you go around thinking that's the Mm -hmm. best way to have sex, which Mm -hmm. obviously (laughs) isn't. Like all of you are like, yeah, we've had (laughs) some of those. I have a question in my head for you. I, well, I think it's gonna, I don't know if it's going to be a personal question, but did you have to unlearn a lot of the things that you knew about sex when you sort of got into more relationships and started dating as well? Because you did make up a po- you did say a point a few um, minutes ago about like how um, a lot of men are 
not really taught to sort of pleasure women or mm-hmm. like you know sixty percent sixty percent of women haven't had an org- orgasm. I think like it's seventy. Is it seventy? I think it's seventy. Wow, man. <laughs> Sorry, sisters. Yeah, great women. There's even this pod. Oh, I forgot to There's even this podcast this lady has just based on her not ever having an yeah. orgasm. Yeah. 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 yeah, What's that called? I don't know what it's called, but I saw it. I don't know where I saw it, but oh. I saw it somewhere. Someone referenced it. And she basically has a podcast about her n- never having an orgasm mm-hmm. and interviewing different women and like asking them what, like how they, like, you know, how does an orgasm feel for them and everything. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Too. Yeah. Yeah. But what I was going to ask is that, like, did you have to unlearn, like, a lot of the things that you've probably, knew, like, you learned about sex? And then when you sort of got into a relationship, how did that sort of change for you? I 100% had to unlearn it. <laughs> like, I 100% had to learn. But then also, I had to realize that I really knew nothing about the female mm. body, like, mm. at all. Mm. Because, like, when you're growing up as a man, it's kind of like, oh, periods are gross. And, oh. you know, you're just all those things that when you, like, you watch, what was that movie? Like, American Pie? Like, oh. that. Like, that's kind of how we learned about sex. And we always thought, like, there's going to be just, like, super crazy hot woman who's going to fall for the love loser and just like <laughs> li- like life does not work like mm. that and i think when it comes to the the physical elements and 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 sex there's just no there's no there was nobody when i was growing up and i think there are more women um who are talking about it now but there was nobody who was talking about it at that time mm. so um for me it was just like whoa there's a lot i don't know and it was all about being communicative with my partner and then like explaining to me uh, what they liked, what they didn't like. Mm. And then also <laughs> realizing that what works for one partner does yeah, not yeah. work for another right. partner, you yeah. know. Um, there's this fantastic book called Animal by mm. Sarah Pascoe. Mm. And oh, I heard that. Yeah, yeah, it is a really, really good book. And she goes into a lot of detail um, about the female body and mm. just kind of explains things. And it just makes you sort of realize, as a man, female body is so much more complex than we've mm. ever been like mm. led to believe. And so, yeah, it was an education, mm. but one that I'm really grateful for because otherwise I would have just gone through life mm. with what I had learned as like a 16, 17, mm. like probably up until my 20s, mm. uh, I had this kind of view of, what it's like whereas you know mm. not i had so many questions popping in my head <laughs> 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 like, they've all gone <laughs> i have one and it's completely gonna derail the conversation mm. <laughs> but i really must ask this before we finish yes please. yes um what was your favorite chapter to write Ooh. Ooh. oh uh, <laughs> um, oh my god Okay, let me look at the, the content <laughs> yeah, just to remind so myself. I caught you off guard. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, not at all. Do you I, want to tell the readers what chapters you have? Yes, so Actually, yeah. that's yeah. a good one. So first chapter is on identity, which is based on the stereotype of where you're from originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one is sport, based on the, uh, the stereotype that black people are good runners mm-hmm. and bad swimmers. Mm-hmm. Third chapter on police, our relationship with the police and police brutality fourth chapter on sex and the idea that uh, black men are well endowed and sexualization of black women fifth chapter is on food the idea that black people love fried chicken Um, sixth chapter is on work and this notion that we have to work twice as hard to get half as far Um, chapter seven on targets more on police brutality 
chapter eight on drugs, the notion that black people know where to get weed and deal a lot of weed. Uh, nine on dance, the idea that um, black people are good dancers. Ten is on dating, uh, looking at interracial dating and the stereotypes that get caught up in that. Uh, and then there's a fun interlude, which I'm so glad that Dami <laughs> liked. Uh, and uh, chapter 11 is on immigration and chapter 12 is on language and the use of the N-word. And chapter 13 is just a kind of nice conclusion. Um, it feels kind of cliche, but I think my favorite one <laughs> might have been on sex. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I enjoyed that one. I think that was my favorite one reading as well, to be honest. Actually, because you brought it up, mm-hmm. so the language chapter, I'm yeah. kind of like, I'm almost through it. And I just have to say, I thought your argument for why people use the N-word and why they shouldn't was just so well written. Thank you. I was just reading like, oh my God, this is all the stuff I wanted to say. I didn't know how to say it. And mm. it just sounds like, if I could just hand someone this chapter and be like, this is why you can't say it. <laughs> because that word does have so much connotation behind yep. it. Mm. But being able to actually like put that into words has been so difficult for me. Yeah. And it's, it's far easier to write than to say. Mm-hmm. Because if you're in a bar and um, like Kanye West's Gold Digger come on, mm. you can't go around and say it to every person who's not black in the yeah. room, right? And so it's a very, very it's a very, very difficult conversation to have. But then I don't think that it should be because this is a word that, I mean, we understand in, so for instance, if you all were joking and then maybe you like very jokingly called each other bitch, like your friends, you know each other, you, you've got that relationship. Mm-hmm. Me meeting you for the first time today, if I started calling you bitch, you'd just be like, uh, excuse you. <laughs> And we understand that. You know, I used the example in the chapter, which was based on actually Ta-Nehisi Coates. It's like, I call my mom, mom, because that's the relationship we have. But then all of a sudden, if, you know, you start calling my mom, mom, that would just be... That's weird. auntie to you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Auntie to you. But again, that's the relationship we have within our culture, mm. right? So my one of my oldest friends, he's half Spanish, half British. I call his mom, auntie. And it took a while for them to get used to it because that's just not the kind of relationship that they have in their culture. So we understand that as people, there are some words that belong to us and there's some things that you could do that you can't do with others. Like, you know, I could bathe my, my baby. If I just came to your house and started bathing your baby, <laughs> you'd be like, this is weird. Like, you know, also, on- how did you get in my house? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> exactly. You would have several questions for me. Um, and so I don't know that it's a difficult conversation to bring up, but it's not. it shouldn't be because we know that there are certain words that belong to certain communities. And when they use that in an ironic fashion, that's okay for them, but not okay for other people, you know? And so I think that why you would want to say this word if it's not something for your community, just because, you know, you you feel like you should be able to say it, you're just like, mm, you need to just check yourself. Also, even if you fundamentally disagree with all of the arguments, Someone who is your friend has told you not to say this word. Just take them at their word. Just be a good friend, you know. Don't, this is why I say, you know, 
shut the fuck up because yeah. it's not about you it's about them so um yeah it was far easier to write i have to say but um it was an interesting one to write because i also as a black man have some reservations about that word you know i would use it with my friends i'd use it in songs but also it's not the most pleasant mm. word to use but then like fuck it it's our word now we took it yeah. back so yeah. we we get to use it or not as as we as we want mm. i was gonna speak on like my favorite chapter in the book that I, oh sorry i was gonna this is something i do <laughs> talking to the mic yeah but i was gonna talk about my favorite chapter in the book which was immigration and mm. that's a book that really resonated a lot with me and my experiences so a lot of the things i sort of pointed out was um around like the power of having a passport and the yeah. color of the passport that you have mm. and how that can influence um your whole entire life so whether you can um travel f like as far as you want so one thing i sort of realized recently was that so i'm still a nigerian citizen but mm. i have a um an indefinite leave to remain mm -hmm. and recently i tried to get a visa to go to france and they didn't have any more appointments which is funny because normally they ask you to apply um 20 days before you go on your trip yeah. so i applied 30 days before i went on my trip and there was no appointments and i was calling up different companies trying to get an appointment and they were all like you know you have to pay 200 pounds you have to pay 100 pounds more all these kind of things and i was then starting to realize that let's say i did have a red passport i could easily just book a f like a, a flight to france and just go yeah. and it would be so easy i could easily just book a flight to like even a country outside europe as well where i could just on arrival get a visa just because mm -hmm. i had a red passport mm -hmm. but because I had a Nigerian passport. Life was so hard, and there's even like other things that influence the way that you are um, you are treated in society. Like if you get even like public funding. So, yeah. for example, I didn't get student finance. I had to pay like international fees, just like all those different things. And I think a lot of people tend to not always realize how how hard it is for a lot of immigrants in the UK, but also in like the US and even in European countries. And when they say stuff like you know they're here to take of our jobs and all that kind of stuff, it. it it sort of belittles your experience in a way because it's like I'm more than just that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I really like that chapter. I'm so glad you did, I, and I think that was probably my second favorite to write mm. because it allowed me, and I took certain liberties because it's not all about being black. Yeah, you know, but it, and it allowed me to broaden the experience to mm. immigrants in mm. general. And I really take issue with this whole notion that they're here to take our jobs. Mm, yeah. Like in the history of economics never has mm. any manager walked into an office and, and said oh dammy we've got to let you go because there's a syrian woman who we want to hire to mm. do your job like it, it, it's never <laughs> it's never ever happened so what people mean when they say they're here to take our job is they're competing for our jobs which how is that different from the mm -hmm. people who live here competing for your job like everyone competes for a job right so this idea that they're here to take our jobs is based on this notion that the job is yours mm -hmm. just because you are from here. Mm. Entitlement. Yeah, mm. exactly. And it's just like nobody's ever been fired and had their jobs given mm -hmm. to an immigrant. It, that's just not how, you know, work mm -hmm. and, uh, and employment works. Mm. So w it, you're right. There is a certain privilege for having that kind of maroon mm. uh, passport, which is all about to bite us in the ass when we leave. <laughs> <laughs> when we leave your problems. <laughs> <laughs> your problems. <laughs> so, yeah, we're not going to enjoy that privilege mm. <laughs> anymore. Mm. But one thing I was also going to mention as well was um, around how you kind of debunked, um, like, you know, like immigrants, you know, 
like being criminals mm. you know being such a economic burden on like society but really and truly we bring so much into like like to the world and even what i really appreciate is just like how much like the facts that you sort of had in there about like let me try and find it <laughs> but like you sort of had like a lot of facts about like how um like immigrants contribute like about 30 billion or so to like British economy like we also send like remittances as well and how that like is really helpful for like Nigeria as well and it's so weird because a lot of people don't really think about all those different things they just think they just come here you know take jobs or are criminals or have these different stereotypes and I, I really appreciate that. So. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much. And, mm. I, you know, I shouted out Nigeria in the book because mm. of all of the African countries, we send the most amount of remittances kind of back home. And, you know, I don't know, I, I use the example of a Syrian woman there. Mm. I don't know anybody who goes through so much effort, so much life-threatening harm to come here and goes, oh, you know, I'm just going to sit on my ass. Like, it just mm. doesn't happen because people are like, look, I've got family back home to feed. Mm, like, yeah. I can't afford to just sit here and do nothing. Mm. And so they do the worst jobs and suffer the worst indignities just so they can make some money. And they never complain. Like, when's the last time you've heard an immigrant complain? It's only people who, like, live here and have mm. that privilege. It's like, oh, my God, the bus didn't come today. Mm. Immigrants are like, oh, my God, they have buses. Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? They just so happy to be here and so happy to live in a place where oh my god i was speaking to someone from from hungary who who used to live in um like in kind of not soviet russia but like that kind of behind the iron curtain and he was just like man like you could just we could do on this podcast, cuss out the queen if we want and you know we can just cuss out theresa may mm. boris johnson whatever and he's just like when I was growing up, you could not say anything bad about the political leaders because they'll just come and take you from your house. Whereas here, we've got, you know, the freedom to be postmodern mm. and ironic to whichever politicians we want. And so I think from people who just kind of come here from different countries, particularly ones that are war-torn or are going through political upheaval, they love it here and mm. they want to contribute to everything mm. that we've got here. And unfortunately, we tend to treat them like shit. Mm. So, um, yeah, actually, ooh, I, I think I might change my mind and say ooh. that chapter was my favorite. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Oh. When, when they asked the question, I was like, say immigration. <laughs> <laughs> say immigration. Maybe yeah. this should be like a feature where we try and convince you to like our favorite chapter. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. it the most. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, one may I ask a question? Yes. You, which ones were your favorite chapters? You want to go first? My one was work. My one yeah. was work. Um, I think because of the way that you presented the facts so beautifully and you kind of went back to sports to mm -hmm. talk about kind of like, and the de the demographics that you showed and like the graphs that you used, I was like, this is amazing. I've got writing, which I've missed reading, mm -hmm. but also you're kind of presenting information in another way so that other readers can, you know, visualize it and learn in a different way. So you've kind of made it inclusive in the way that you've written it, where you've done it conversationally and that's made it so easy to read. You've got the writing there and then you've made visual representations. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, you've made this so easy <laughs> to understand. And I'm kind of like, this is gonna be such a great guide for those who aren't, you know, as fully aware and those who wanna learn more because you put everything down in such an eloquent manner. 
And like, yeah, with work, and it kind of like reminded me of my own brother, because he didn't go to university, and like, you know, he had to hustle his way to get the job to where he is now. Mm-hmm. And me being a lit grad, <laughs> and you know, doing my service, doing my service work, you mm-hmm. know, to try and save up my money to do my masters. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of looks at me, he's like, why don't you get a real job? And it's just kind of like the conversations that we have between the two of us. Mm. And it's kind of like, you see that as an ethnic minority, like you see how far he's had to go to get to where he is now. And it's just like the the way that he's talking to me and it's kind of like, it it would be the same way that, you know, a white person would be like, well, we Mm. started off on the same foot. So why is, what's this, what's the struggle that you're Mm. talking about? Cause I don't see it. And I was like, this was very informative and I liked reading about it and it made me feel better about my life. <laughs> oh, and, and it, like, so yeah, thank you for that. No, thank you. Oh, this is good. This is just like, <laughs> go around the room and compliment me. <laughs> this is great. I'm like, you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you're great. Can I go next? Great job. Yeah, Okay, so for me, my favorite one, I think, was sex initially. I just really, I was just chuckling through it, kind of like (laughs) self-evaluating all the stereotypes that I had thought of myself and the ones that I have maybe participated in. Mm. And then the language one kind of gut punched me. And I was Mm. like, actually, this is one that I also really like. So I'm not sure which one I like more. So can I just say both? Yeah, no, that's great to hear. Thank you. Um, I I kind of was like Dami, I was kind of caught in between a few. So I really liked sport mm-hmm. because the stereotype black people can't swim. Yeah. Ironically, mm-hmm. I had this book on my desk at work and then I had a conversation about that stereotype with uh, someone I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, it's ironic because all of my black friends can't swim. And I was like, but I can. And he was yeah. like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that one has always made me laugh because like I'd been swimming like I did classes since I was like five years old mm. did it for like 12 years of my life and then I heard about this stereotype <laughs> and I was like what the fuck yeah. mm. um, but I really loved um, targets mm. so like police and targets were kind of like my favourite because obviously they were kind of like combined yeah. but the targets one kind of put into words a lot of things that I thought about whenever I had conversations with people about like why black lives matter is important. And when Mm. I didn't have the language to like say, or like fully explain why it was important, why it was necessary. Um, like, like I said before, you just give straight facts and it was like, it was really nice because you, it it was, I was able to see why, why like, kind of like how I could phrase maybe a conversation I'm having when someone does just doesn't seem to be getting it. And also it was, it was like I said before, like seeing the facts straight on the paper. Obviously, you know these things are happening, but seeing what it what's what it is like factually, it kind of hits you and it reminds you. And I think it was like a nice reminder that yes, yeah, fucked up. And sometimes you need a reminder that things are fucked up. Yeah. yeah. So yes, thank you for that. No, Appreciate it. Thank you all. That was really great. That was like a little two minutes. Like <laughs> pat me on the back. I loved it. It was fantastic. Thank you. I do have one question. Um, what is the wildest stereotype, like in your opinion? Mm. Um, I think, I think it's the sport one, mm. because why would the color of your skin have? anything to do with your physical mm. prowess mm-hmm. one way or the other yeah that's like I, I it's it's a very it's a very odd thing to me so like, everyone assumes like black people are really good at running but the combined countries of like nigeria senegal cameroon jamaica 
have not won a gold medal in running. Mm. <laughs> not even have not won a gold medal, have not won a medal. Mm. So it's mostly people um, from Kenya and talk about it in the book and from a specific region I- I- in Kenya as well. So that kind of idea that the color of your skin would mean that you can or can't do something is just ridiculous. That's like saying like, <laughs> white people are better at table tennis. I, like, why would the color of the skin make you better at a sport? But I think we never think about things like that. Like, why would the color of your skin make you more likely to commit knife crime? Like, they have no two mm. things in common. Um, and it's it's I it's so funny. I was listening to this piece uh, by Akala, and he was saying this whole idea that people like criminalize black people that means that all black people will be criminals that would mean like barack obama is more likely to commit knife crime my 90 year old grandmother is more likely to commit knife crime and it's just like that that makes no sense so yeah i think it's it's the sport one like Mm. just the color of your skin means that you're better at something it's Mm. like mm, that's not how it works Um, before we go, I think we had a game that we wanted to play. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I can't, I didn't really fully develop this game. Um, but I mean, I've got one question from your own book okay. that I want to ask you because like, I think it was blessing. Were you talking about? Or was it you, Demi? The one that where you really like the kind of like pop questions. Yeah. Oh yeah, pop yeah, ah. yeah. So I was like, I want to ask you one of your own questions. Ooh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember it. Okay, let's go. I was gonna do a thing where I was just gonna pick out random facts from the book yeah. to see if you could remember it, and I was like, that's not fair. Cause you wrote, <laughs> no. you wrote twelve chapters plus yeah. two more. I'm not gonna, I'm okay. not gonna expect that of you because yeah. that's uh, that's kind of peak. <laughs> So according to census data, how many people in England and Wales are living with or married to someone from another ethnic group? Is it A, 5 million, B, 1.8 million, or C, 2.3 million? I don't actually know this. It's so bad. Uh, you can phone a friend or ask the audience if you want. I read it yesterday. <laughs> oh my God. You can't look back at your book. No. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say... I really should have read this before. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I haven't read the book in like... Wow, we are not <laughs> helping you. <laughs> right now. No, but it, it, it's fine. I'm going to say five million. Ooh, well, according to when you wrote your book... <laughs> it's increased since then. The answer was C, 2.3 million. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's increased since like, September last yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will can't check. wait telling you your facts. <laughs> I know, no, no. It's great. Oh my God. But the thing is, it feels so weird to read your own book. I was so, going to say, what's that like? Have you yeah. got, how many times have you read it back? Oh my God. Um, I haven't, uh, I think the last time I read it was January, uh-huh. where we were doing the very final round of edits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it came back from like the lawyers for legal review, I think I just accepted all of their changes. I don't think I read it specifically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, January is the last time I read it. So you don't have an audiobook? Uh, I do. Oh, okay. Yeah. You do? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. 
but oh, do you uh, read your book really... when you record an audiobook? Oh, I I didn't do it just because I didn't have the time. Like, I still uh, have a full time job. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, um, oh wow. Okay, so now sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry. 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 I'm going to at least read all of the quizzes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm gonna ask you one now. Oh my god! I feel like we should oh, choose bring out your book. Choose one. Bring out your book. We have a few minutes. We've been allowed to uh, like a few extra okay. minutes. Okay. Oh my god! I'm gonna fail this so hard. <laughs> Um, oh, okay. Uh, blessing. <laughs> oh, let me actually choose it from a favorite chapter instead. Oh, I think that's, that's probably a good idea. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Choose Ruh-ruh. it from your favorite chapter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Ah, right. Uh, how much more likely are the Met Police to use force against black people than white people in London? Hmm. Eight times, two times, or four times? Four times. Hmm. Oh, the Met Police are four times more likely to use force against black people than white people. Congratulations! Why am I celebrating? That's a bad thing to celebrate. That's a bad thing to celebrate. Okay, no, yes, they're four times more likely to use force. Uh, forty times more likely to stop and search a black person, and three times more likely to stop and search anyone of black, Asian, and minority ethnic backgrounds. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> okay. My one is negative connotation surrounding the word immigrant that they were lazy. They they are lazy criminals and a drain on society. Oh, what? I was reading the positive the, the, negative the stereotype. <laughs> oh, Jesus! It's a very long week. Okay. So sorry. The pop quizzes. The UK believes twenty four percent of its population are immigrants when it's actually a thirteen percent, b eighteen percent, c twenty three percent. 13%. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. And uh, 15% of no. people in the UK, oh, people in the UK by and large think 15% are immigrants when infected. I'm sorry, are Muslim okay. when mm. in fact it's 5%. I found all these, like, the percentages really interesting because I think in my head, I tend to always think like the percentage is like bigger because when you live in London, you you know you see so many people that look exactly like you, so you think yeah. you know we're, we're a huge you know population. Yeah, it must be everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But I think when you live in Canterbury, you're not really everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 you're the only one in like a classroom or like yeah. the only one in like a meeting. Oh my yeah. gosh, being the only black person in a classroom—that's a conversation I'm always <laughs> open to having. Yeah. 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 Mm. Okay, two out of three. Right. I think that's like a C. Dammy. Dammy. Okay. If I get that means that <laughs> might bring me up to a B. Might give you a first in your, in your degree in your own <laughs> yeah. <book>. yeah. <laughs> okay. What percentage of white Americans believe that discrimination against them is on par with that faced oh. by black people and other minorities? Is it A, 33%, B, 18%, or C, 52%? That's what I think it Ooh, is. I'm this I don't know off the top oh, of really? my head. Do we do a countdown? You know what's actually yeah. interesting? When I actually read that, I actually guessed the number and I Same. and it was and it was. I was true. right. Yeah. 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 yeah, I guessed it. And it was yeah. Oh, uh, not be so maybe you should guess it, it as well. Oh, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. What, what was it? Fifty. It's a uh, thirty-three, eighteen, or fifty-two. I'm going to say 52. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That, that is insane. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised because no, the I, white twos are real. No. No. Yeah. White fragility. And, and the white number fragility. of people arguing reverse racism. Bro. I'm yeah. like, it doesn't exist. <laughs> the amount of times yeah. I've had to have exist. the conversation that it's not yeah. a thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My God. 
I think people right. don't realize that racism is, um, and again, Jamila Jamil said this. I'm quoting her a lot today, but yeah. she speaks a lot of truth. She was like, uh, oh, actually, no, sorry. This is Reni Edolodge who said this, oh. sorry. Uh, so you know it's facts. Yes. Um, she said racism is privilege plus, yep. or prejudice plus power. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have the power, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, there's just like, like, sexism towards men Mm. don't exist because Mm -hmm. men hold the power Mm -hmm. and i think people only think of the prejudice they don't think of the plus power Mm. so yeah i think i always say that as well like when i'm like describing racism like it's more about power because really and truly i as a like a black person can say something to you as a white person but it won't change the course of like you in society or you can call me the n-word and it can influence the way that I'm probably treating you. Or you can call me the N-word in the context of like different people or in like a big classroom. And that could influence it whether other people see me. Yeah. Mm. So it's mm. literally the worst thing that you can say to a black person. Mm. And there is no equivalent for any other race. Mm-hmm. Right. There's just no because it doesn't have that history mm. of slavery, of mm-hmm. lynching, of mm-hmm. rape. It mm-hmm. like it just doesn't have all of that mm. baked into it. Mm. So and I think people forget that. They genuinely forget that. Mm. Because people think slavery or picking cotton. No, lynching and mm-hmm. rape and mm-hmm. assault and... Wrongful, wrongful convictions. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Wrongful and like, slavery is bad enough, but mm-hmm. then you add all of those stuff mm-hmm. into it. And I think a lot of people forget about that as well. Mm. Yeah. I got a B. I got a B. <laughs> hey. You graduated. I got the first <laughs> in, in the, the degree clap of clapback. <laughs> oh, yeah, everyone give him a round of applause. Hey. Hey. <laughs> And uh, if you would also like to graduate with a first and above, <laughs> go out and buy the clap back. <laughs> um, Elijah, thank you so much for coming in thank and talking you. with it's us today. Um, do you want to you wanna self-plug, self-promote? Because yeah, we're going to do it anyway. You, yeah. you may as well. Um, just kind of uh, buy the book. Yes. And I really, really hope you like it. I poured a lot of myself into it. A lot of personal stories. A lot of painful mm. uh, moments. And like, Talk about it with your friend. Talk about it with your parents. Talk about it with people you don't know. Just let's try and raise awareness for this book because my parents are Yoruba and they have (laughs) (laughs) high expectations. (laughs) That's real. So, um, yeah, and just I want to say a huge thank you to you all for having me. Everybody, let's <laughs> at these lovely ladies oh, on Twitter, yeah. just like on Instagram. Let's so help promote so this new show because I've had smile. the best time. Oh, we've had such a great time with yeah. you. So, yeah. where can people like find you on Twitter, Instagram? Yeah, Instagram is Elijah underscore Luau. Twitter is Elijah underscore Luau. So, mm-hmm. it's uh, very easy. Um, my Twitter handle, you should know, I only ever just post positive things. So if you're looking for a little that. bit of spice, uh, mm. it's not going to come from me. I only ever post like positive things. Uh, but they're good things that I think people should know yeah. about. So please do follow me. And um, yeah, let's con- let's continue talking. My DMs are open, I think. So, you yeah. should not put that out on the internet. <laughs> my, 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 oh, my DMs are closed. My DMs are closed. I'm closing it right no, no, now. No, 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 no. <laughs> Is that our new name? The book group. The book group. The book group. I mean, so, <laughs> if we get another author, then maybe we can call ourselves. Can we not name us? Let's not run with this. Yeah. <laughs> we're not. We're not claiming this. <laughs> 
Um, Maybe you could do a Twitter vote, you know, book groupies or candidates. You know what's actually interesting? We went to do a meet and greet because people said they want to see us. Okay. Shade. You send emails to my bosses asking for this. This is a meet and greet. Yeah, I'll organize one. Trafalgar Square, everyone come and meet us. The most populated tourist destination. They were just recording. Guys, everyone here. Are we going to fake that all the tourists are fans as well? Yeah, we're flexing. And you've just told them that as well. You've just told us. Okay, the people at Trafalgar Square don't know yet because they haven't arrived. Okay. They're still on hunt. They're still. You've got to fake it till you make it, as they say. Well, let me know because I'll definitely be there. Hey! Why are meant to be doing t shirts as well? So. Ah, oh, more like, there's nothing for you to do. <laughs> Man, it's just me. <laughs> I hope with a t shirt. We'll do the graphic design. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, All it's right. time to go now because, you know, studio fees and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank We're you so much right for coming now. in, Thank Elijah. You. Thank you. Have a good, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us. Uh, this yeah. new sound, this new look, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, well, this will be on video too. You'll oh, be yeah. Able to video <laughs> but yeah we hope you guys enjoyed listening to this and um we'll see you again next time yeah bye bye, bye. bye. <laughs>